reference gift to us is a pleasurable implication of coherence, of meaning, of consequence. Epiphany is a season commemorating the revelation of Christ's incarnation. The word has become flesh, and those who are attentive can see him in the physical world. Wise men looked to the heavens and found Christ. And so tonight, we consider the artists who have been attentive to the physical world and ask what epiphanies we can receive through the consideration of their work. I can't think of anyone better suited to guide us through this than our guest, Jonathan Pulse. John is a draftsman, painter, and art historian. He serves them as an associate professor of art at Iowa University and has served as a mentor for many art students. I first came to know John through his reputation. When I was in school, John was known to be the tough critic. He knew what a student's best was and was known to demand that from them. As I attended various seminars he taught, I came to appreciate his passion and insight into the material and his intuition of what his students needed to hear. As a young teacher myself, I've come to recognize how difficult this can be. So, with all that said, I'm very excited that John could come join us tonight and share. Join me in welcoming John. but this maybe will help. Um, and if you can't really see the screen, it's a little low, you know, and uh, uh, which is fine, but I'll, uh, if you can't see that, maybe it's okay to take a moment to rearrange yourselves because we won't even look while you do that. Okay, everybody must have a great seat. This is just like class. I feel right at home. I ask people to do things. Nobody responds. It's easy. Um, Thanks for, yes, thank you again for uh, braving the, the traffic to come out here on a Friday night and, and talk about, listen to something and talk about art. Um, the, uh, and thank you, Josh, and, and, uh, and St. Matthew's Congregation for the, the uh, effort in this direction and for the invitation. Um, and I think it, it's important that, that we make recover uh, something of uh, what it might do for us as part of our spiritual journey. Uh, certainly it's been a big part of mine uh, as an artist and as a uh, lover of art. <clears throat> and my goal this evening really is to just sort of uh, riff a little bit on this epiphany theme. Uh, uh, Josh gave me, it says, you know, called me at some point in the middle of the semester or something. Said, How about epiphany as a theme? And I said, sure. Uh, sounds good. We like epiphany. But as you just said so well, um, it is a, a, uh, a marvelous uh, topic, really, a, a marvelous uh, metaphor, a set, set of metaphors for us to think about um, what um, both as makers of art, lovers, enjoyers of art, um, about what uh, again, art can do um, for us, uh, both Um, so, <clears throat> and a brief acknowledgement I should probably give here too, which is, I, I didn't know anything about epiphany until about seven or eight years ago, being a good evangelical, non-denominational Christian, 
you, you know, one sort of hit Christmas, and then, wow, that was fun, right? Uh, Christmas morning, a lot of buildup, and then by Christmas, late Christmas, late in the afternoon on Christmas, you were at movie theaters, some of the excitement was possible. And, uh, and then it was over, and then you were sort of waiting until you had to go back to school. So my wife, is of Puerto Rican descent, and so uh, you know, epiphany being uh, more important uh, to uh, our, our, so our brother in the, in the uh, Latin American country. She uh, <clears throat> brought that into our home, and, and it's been a, a really great uh, shift for us as a family to move off of the tyranny of just the academic family, uh, which is natural for us, uh, into a safe campus. Um, so we've been throwing big epiphany parties on uh, January 6th for years now and, and having a good time uh, doing that and, and thinking about uh, the journey of the wise men and other things. So uh, as the, uh, again, as Josh offered this uh, sort of topic, I thought, oh, this is great. A couple of uh, artists came to mind that um, really have very little to do with each other, but I'll try to uh, uh, make some kinds of tenuous connections here. Episodes, uh, that will be the substance of the talk. And I'll try to offer some uh, meditation on the Epiphany narrative, um, on, the, on the Magi narrative at the front end here and on some other things uh, on the back end here, also taken from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is wonderful if you're an artist, um, I think, uh, as a gospel. Uh, it, it is deeply visual, and Matthew loves a contrast. Master of setting up uh, contrasts that are intense uh, in from a narrative standpoint. But uh, we decided to, you know, I decided to, to title the talk "Epiphanies in Progress" uh, because the uh, while we're talking about the uh, again, our text may be a little small here. For those in the back, feel free to move around at any point. Um, while the uh, the Epiphany is what we're celebrating. Um, I, I like these sort of definitions I found in descending order, right, from things that were more uh, obviously special in nature to things that are more general. Um, but lots of fodder for us as we talk about, about what art does for us. So, of course, January 6th, observed in the church as a festival of commemoration of the coming of the Magi uh, at the first, uh, as the first manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles or in the Eastern Church in commemoration of the baptism of Christ. Two, an appearance or manifestation of, especially of a divine being, so more general, more specific, and yet more general, which is probably the realm where most of our um, considerations as artists rest, right? Um, down in part three. A, un a usually a sudden manifestation or perception of the essential nature or meaning of something. An intuitive grasp of reality through something, such as an event, usually simple and striking. As an artist, you desire to arrive at some elegant solution that gives you some apprehension of reality that's immediate. And three, uh, uh, an illuminating discovery, realization or disclosure. Uh, and three, B, a revealing scene or moment. Right? And we, uh, we could kind of hang out here looking at these. It's a little bit boring looking at text. It's better looking at pictures, so we'll move on. But the uh, amount of, again, visual, um, words that are, and, or bodily terms, as Josh has pointed out, right? um, in his meditation, brief meditation on Job there, it's quite rich. And in fact, the, uh, 
the story of the wise men begins with a sight, right? A vision, a sign. So the, the coming of these mysterious dignitaries from the east, and we'll, uh, let's leave uh, Tanner's um, uh, image of the Magi up there for a moment. The coming of these mysterious dignitaries from the east is an extraordinary development in the narrative of Christ's birth and early life. Special revelation um, had come already, right? God has given to Mary in the text. Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, etc. They, they usually are, these, these revelations, these epiphanies are coming in the form of angels showing up and delivering messages. These messages are unavoidable, uh, in many ways irresistible. You have to be careful, like, you know, even not to laugh, right? Or, or to respond strangely when an angel comes and tells you something. Or not to question it too strenuously, like Zechariah. Or you may suddenly find yourself unable to speak for nine months, or having a child with a funny name. Where epiphanies, uh, the epiphanies granted to Mary and the shepherds were unsolicited, instantaneous, overwhelming, right? Make you afraid. Um, this one that the Magi got was hidden in the stars. It required deep, patient attentiveness. One had to be looking for. And it was, at least uh, at the beginning, a little less specific. Right. These men from the east were not uh, initially given clear instructions by the angel, by an angel Gabriel. We don't know exactly what set of prophetic texts they might have been working from. All we know is they apparently rightly discerned the birth of a, significant, a centrally significant child, a great child, from looking at the stars, general revelation. It seems reasonable to assume that they didn't uh, know exactly what or who they were looking for. Nevertheless, they set off on what was likely a journey of significant distance in the ancient world, carrying highly expensive gifts they intended to give to this person, relying on the fact that the exact details of the location and the identity of the child would be things they would discern on the way. We don't often celebrate these people, uh, these three guys, or, or however many there were, right, for uh, their remarkable faith, but it's truly extraordinary. The Magi were in a sense that's the first of another kind, the first pilgrim. They traveled far only for the express goal of worship. It is not recorded that they received any particular blessing. They did not seek healing or inner transformation though they certainly received both, in a manner of speaking. They came as a matter of sacred duty. Because if one discerns a sign in the heavens, or any place else for that matter, that's simply what one's supposed to do. An underappreciated passage from uh, Proverbs uh, seems premonitory of the Magi's response and purpose, as the children and heirs of God we each hold the same sacred trust. And this, again, I shout out to my wife here who uh, uh, has this written above our table at home or in, on, in some place close to that. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. So these guys come searching, again, at, at the, uh, the hint that they're given in the sky. And as you engage in art topics here at St. Matthew's, and again, I applaud this cycle here, and it's well worth remembering, um, and as I tell my students frequently, that both the production and true appreciation of art 
is difficult. It's searching out of that. Right? It's actually enjoyable difficulty, is what I tell them. And so you should be ready for that kind of journey. Um, it's a higher pleasure, not a lower one. It often costs a great deal of time, study, and material resources. Right? Not unlike our story here. Uh, thus, uh, some epiphanies are harder As an artist, an art historian, um, I find useful metaphors in the story of the Magi from my own work. I often perceive some sign, some significant constellation in a work of my own or another, and then comes that work, that, that searching out the matter, often at great cost, a searching out what has been signified, what the point is. While others might, um, I, I generally don't receive sudden flashes of insight, revelations from on high, no angels appear in the studio to tell me what to work on next. I'm not sure I would appreciate it if they did. Uh, you know, that would change a whole bunch of things. And in fact, uh, most of studio life and art historical study is shot through with mundane, even boring. And no doubt the Magi had been studying the heavens, maybe for generations, before this perfectly aligned moment. Patience, persistence, mixed with some good fortune, seems to be the central trait required. Uh, mixed with, uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, perhaps even more than obvious talent. This persistence and the willingness to follow our intuitions about a subject or a process allows us, like the wise men, to find revelations in the most humble and least likely of places. So tonight I'd just like to discuss a couple of artists with you briefly. Um, both are painters, because I'm a painter, uh, and so I uh, tend to look at paintings a whole lot. Uh, hopefully Josh will get a sculptor or something with a photographer. You might know one, as a matter of fact. Um, Josh is a fine photographer. This crowd's very dead tonight. Um, both are painters, um, and, and really, again, they come from different periods. They're overlapping only by about eight, their lives only overlap by eight years. Both American. Um, but both artists seem to come at this idea of epiphany in, in opposite directions. Painting is always bound up with a whole series of contrasts. So when I tell my uh, beginning painting students, I sit down with them and I say, painting is a series of contrasts, right? So color, which is a part of painting, has light and dark, warm and cool, intense and neutral color. Uh, painting deals with in, uh, finished elements versus unfinished elements, right? Painting itself is material, right? It's this sticky mud that you apply with sharp sticks to fabric. And you ask it, of course, to become something else, to somehow overcome its materiality, right? And become light, or, right, somebody's head, or, you know, in some cases, the Virgin Mary, right? Like, some of them quite lofty things, right? Um, or a cup on a table. Um, at the same time, it retains this kind of stubbornness as a material thing. Never, it never quite lets go. Uh, and, and, you know, in just about any art medium does that. Um, but painting, in painting, the transformation, the trick of it changing from one thing to another is particularly 
Um, and that's, I think, one of the particular kinds of contrasts that I'd like to play here. And again, see if, if uh, I want to describe kind of the process that two artists had in attempting to, within that contrast, discern something, um, again, more than the material reality, or in this case, uh, in, in the case of the first one, um, work beginning with more and then arriving at So I've already shown you two paintings, and, and uh, they're both by the same guy, believe it or not. Um, the color is not too bad there. Let me see. It's okay. You should see the real one. It's in the uh, Philadelphia Museum of Art. This is these, uh, both these paintings, this early Annunciation and this late uh, painting of the three wise men are both by Henry Asawa Tanner. Anybody know about Tanner? Yeah, a little bit? Okay, good, I got a crowd I can, uh, you know, I don't have to worry that there's any lurking uh, Tanner scholars in the audience who are gonna take me to, <laughs> take me to task later on. Um, Tanner was uh, really, is a really interesting artist, and uh, there's a very fine painting by him I'll, I'll show you in a little bit. Um, that is actually at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, so if you're looking for a nice day trip, you uh, Tanner was born in uh, 1859, died in 1937. So, Matt, the extraordinary time, period of change. Um, he was uh, an African-American artist, and you can imagine the condition, the situation of an African-American artist from 1859 to 1937 would probably be very, very interesting. Um, to, make, to make his, uh, the, pl uh, the plot thicker for him, he was also uh, the son of a bishop from the African, uh, right, uh, I'm sorry, the Af what is it, the AME Church, African Methodist Episcopal right, Church. Um, and so grew up steeped in uh, the stories of the Bible, right, and with a strong sense of uh, needing to visualize them uh, very directly, very literally. And of course, this led him to some, uh, especially in the period of time that covers modern art and its transformation, right? Um, so think about what any of you, you know, if you have some uh, basic knowledge of what was happening in the late 19th, early 20th century, you think, man, Impressionism, right? Post-Impressionism, so you got Monet, Van Gogh, right? Cezanne, and then you got Matisse and Picasso, right? You get all the way up to Expressionists like Kirchner, and Kandinsky, uh, surrealism, uh, futurism before surrealism, Dada, right? He's living through all these things. Uh, Expressionism part two between the wars, right? And finally dies the year after Picasso paints Guernica. So that's an extraordinary amount of time, right? He's born uh, in, the, in the 1850s when Courbet is showing his realist paintings in, in, in Paris. So the amount of artistic change Extraordinary. He's living through uh, uh, a number of important dramas, in, in, including World War One. He's in France, uh, second half of his life. So a remarkable amount of change around his work, and what he, over time, um, increasingly became very committed to these subjects. Here's a photograph of him, by the way. Uh, very intense photograph of him uh, uh, with the palette in hand, 
we all want a good pretentious photograph like us, like this of us to, to live on after us if you're a painter. Uh, this is perhaps a bit more, uh, uh, more generous here. This is uh, a painter of him by his teacher, Thomas Eakins, who was an important American realist painter you may have heard of, a bit more famous than, than uh, Tanner. But Tanner, uh, again, even in this period, really felt that, that he needed to, uh, uh, to realize this uh, Christian, this biblical subject matter. But there were a number of pressures around them all the time that would, would make this increasingly complex and difficult for him to maintain. Uh, for one thing, as I just mentioned, he was trained as a realist uh, by Eakins. And this is, uh, by the way, you know, this, these are the drawings you would do um, from the model at the Philadelphia Academy of Art in the late, you know, in the late 19th century studying with Eakins. It's a beautiful drawing. Uh, again, Tanner's very unappreciated. Don't know his work. Go get a book and enjoy that and grow some. Um, and you can see the study of the model, right? It's all based on observation, careful study of anatomy, 